perfect in weakness. His strength, it sounds like a paradox, doesn't it? His strength is made perfect in weakness. Strength and weakness. My strength, says the Lord to Tatum this morning, is made perfect in your weakness. To Keith, the Lord says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. To Larry Jr., my strength is made perfect. To Elise, my strength. To Rebecca, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. It seems like a paradox, but he goes on to say, for my strength is made perfect weakness. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, I love that right there because he didn't say my grace is a gallon. My grace is a cup. Because if he said a gallon to me, I know what I would have said back to him. I've gone way past the gallon. Come on, somebody. If he had said in, in, in seasons of my life and seasons that we're in right now, that we want, um, what is it called when they go in and they, um, it's in my notes, I can't remember what it's called. We, um, when they go in and take someone out, it's called a, um, when the army goes in, it's called a, a, what, what, what? Extraction, perfect, extraction for 100. Give him a hand right here. Extraction, there you go. It's extraction. Um, Pastor Hank and I love to watch movies where they extract people. Everybody does. When the military goes in and extracts someone, there are seasons in your life that you want an extraction. You want to be pulled out. But God says, it's not time yet. My grace is sufficient. The season has not done its work yet. You see, an act of valor, which Pastor and I ordered and watched, you know, I, I love wartime movies. And it's funny because it's the body of Christ and Holy Spirit. Let's just lift one hand to the Lord because I'm preaching without praying. We just welcome you right now. I invite you to speak what I'm not even speaking. I allow you to bring to us exactly what we need. Lord, we're not in a coliseum. We're not on TV. We're, we're family. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak. Speak things I don't say and speak through me. Let us sequester our minds for these next few moments. Everything we did yesterday, we'll do later today is good, but it will not heal us. Your word will change us. So we rope our own mind in. We bear our own thoughts and No one's going to do it for Rhonda Davis, but Rhonda Davis. And no one's going to rope the minds in of the people listening to me unless they choose to right now and focus on the word. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Love that act of valor when they go in and they extract one of their own that's been taken. And they come in, the seals go in. It's based on true story. It's powerful. And as a body of Christ, the reason I like to watch wartime movies, because if we're not careful as a body of Christ, we don't want to be wartime. We want to be peacetime. We want peace, peace, peace. But you know, the greatest armies of the universe don't learn how to fight. Our army did not learn how to fight in times of peace. Our army, our military have been trained in boot camps, in warlike situations. And as a body of Christ, often we want a distraction. In the season we're in right now, we're gonna to go to a man who lived his whole life paralyzed. His as-is tag was paralytic. For 22, 28, 34, we don't know. He just wanted an extraction. You ever been in a season? I bet a lot of us are there right now where you would just welcome an extraction from this season. Oh, you don't want to leave, leave your husband. You don't want to leave your children. You don't want to leave your house. You don't want to leave your church, hopefully. You don't want to leave this thing, but you want to be extracted out of this season. I mean, if they could send in the spiritual seals, if the angel came to the door, we would welcome them. But God says to us, the season has not yet served its purpose you see, there's something about when he says, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul goes on after God says this, my grace, everyone say his grace is sufficient. If he had said a gallon, I'd say I've gone way past a gallon. If he had sent a cup, I've gone way past a cup. If he had said a river, oh, you'd get in line behind me. We say we're going way past a river here. 
He said sufficient. What does sufficient mean to you? I'm not looking for a perfect answer. Someone yell out. What does sufficient mean? Enough. I can't think of another. I, I don't have my thesaurus in my brain this morning. I can't think of another word to go along, but enough came to me too. Enough. Everyone say enough. enough. Say his grace, his grace is, enough is enough in my season for whatever going through. And so Paul gets this word from God. God says to him, as God is saying to each one of us in this room this morning, brothers and sisters, my grace is enough for you. Whatever you're going through, I'm enough. I've given you enough grace. And so Paul goes on and he says, therefore more gladly, I will boast in my weakness that his power may rest upon me. I will boast in my infirmity is what some of your translations say. That his power may be him. So here it is. It just seems like an oxymoron or a paradox, which means a contradiction, um, which means to say, I'm going to boast in my weakness. In fact, I'm not just going to boast in it. I'm going to wear my big as is tag about my weakness. I'm going to tell you I'm not a good joke teller. I'm going to tell you that I'm weak, that I didn't go to sleep this morning to 3.30, not because of anything. It's just because 51 and you know what I'm saying. I didn't go to sleep till 3.30. Woke back up at 6 Three hours of sleep. But you know what? I feel more alive right now than I felt on many mornings. I've slept eight hours because his grace is enough. Come on, somebody. And that's just one weakness I can talk about. I could spend the whole hour, but that's not, you didn't come here to hear Pastor Rhonda's weaknesses. You've seen them. They've been displayed before you. Hang around more. You'll know more of them. This as is tag. And it's amazing because he says, I'm going to boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ can dwell upon me. You see, as long you're saying, I want to, ext- I want to be that word again, extraction. I want extraction out of this season. And God says, no, this season's not over because the last time I blessed you, you forgot about me, but you're praying more than you've ever prayed right now. You're depending on me the way you have not depended on me in a long time. You're saying, I got nobody, but you got, oh, I know I'm in that season of, of, of praying more than I've prayed in a long time. You see, God says, until the season has served its purpose. You, when you get in a season and a time when fear is there or pressure is there or other things are pushing in on you and it's a season you don't like, the Lord says, extraction's not come yet until this season has served its purpose. And when it does, you can rest assured, I'm gonna extract you out of the season. Someone give God a hand clap of praise this morning. Let me read to you from Hebrews 11. Then we're gonna turn to Mark 2. Let me read quickly at Hebrews 11, one verse. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice. And this is your ancestry.com. Welcome to it. You've just found your ancestors. These people that are your great, great grandfathers in faith, they received what God had promised. They shut the mouth of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Say, I got some big family. Say, I got some great family. Act of valor has nothing on your ancestors. Come on now. These are your spiritual DNA. And this is the big verse that goes in. Their weakness was turned into strength. Your ancestors in Hebrews 11, out of their weakness became strong. Say, out of my weakness, I will become strong. Look at your neighbor and say, hang with me a little longer. Because my weakness is going to become my strength. I'm going to become strong. It goes on to say they became strong in battle and put whole armies to fight. You know, we all think about, now turn to Mark 2. We all think that we are people that love. We watch Hallmark commercials and who doesn't love them? You're crying, oh, I gotta go get a card for somebody. I just feel the love. I I love everybody. I just, I love everybody. And then your kid walks in, you, what? 
and then you go to work and someone gets on your last nerve. Can I get a witness from a real human in the building? You know, we all feel like we are so loving of people and we love to sacrifice our energy. And in my dreams, Dvorsky said, I'm often very passionate and determined to serve humanity, yet I'm quite incapable of living with anyone in one room for two days together. And I know that from experience. Anybody else? The fellowship of the mat takes you into a place where people has as is. And if you just come on board with my teaching, let me just quickly tell you this, what most people know. An as is tag is when you go to a store and they have an as is, on a t- as is tag on a TV and you get it for a great deal. But they're saying, it's slightly irregular here. This is the department of something gone wrong. And on a clothing, it means there's a flaw. Don't take a blouse when it's marked as is up to the counter and say, I want 10% off. They go, nope, we already marked that. We marked that, there's a flaw on that. We knew when we hung that blouse out there, someone had spilled a big bottle of ketchup right down the arm. If you want it, you're going to take it as is. Everyone say as is. So when you go into a store and there's sundry stores you can go into, I mean, Etowah other places where Pantene bottles are scrunched in the middle and you can get it real cheap, but don't be fussing and say, there's a big dent in this. They're going to say, you know what? No whining and sniveling, no returns, no exchanges. Don't come back with us. If you want a perfection, you shouldn't have picked up the as is product. If you were looking something perfect, let me tell you something. Human beings to the left and the right of you this morning are the department of as is in the universe. You just arrived at it. Come on, some Someone give a, yes, I agree, as is. Don't be going back to God and saying, my child is not perfect. He's going to say, oh, really? Don't be going back and saying, your boss is getting on your last nerve. God's going to say, oh, really? You see, an as is is in each one of us, a streak of deception, a cruel tongue, a passive spirit, an out of control temper that you didn't know what you had in you until you got cut off in traffic. Can I get an amen? But it's in there. And when you find it, don't be surprised. Pastor and I love the movie. I'm not encouraging you to go watch this. It's PG-13, but as good as it gets. And Jack Nicholson is in love with Helen Hunt in this movie. Um, And she is racked by his ambivalence uh, or her ambivalence toward him. He's kind and generous to her sick son, but he's also agoraphobic, obsessive compulsive, and terminally offensive. Anyone worked for anybody like that recently? No. Um, in fact, if rudeness were measured in square miles, Jack Nicholson in this movie would be Texas. Come on, anybody ever met anybody like that? Come on, wave your hand, let the angels take a snapshot. It's nobody in this room, of course. Um, in desperation, Helen finally cries out to her mother, I just want a normal boyfriend. And her mother responds in empathy as every good mother does. Honey, everyone wants one of those. There's no such thing, dear. You know what? There is no normal in this world. There is no normal person that does not have an as-is tag. And for those who love the ideal of Christian community more than what Christian community really is, a bunch of people with as-is tags become destroyers of the community instead of part of the fellowship of the mat that say, you know what? I'm not going to categorize people into normal and unnormal. I recently uh, read in a book about a headline that said totally normal women who stalk their ex-boyfriends. Come on, if that's normal, how far do we have to go to become strange? Look at your neighbor and say, oh me. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, oh me. But if we, this Christian community, this fellowship of the mat that we find in Mark 2 and this grace that is sufficient for you, that God's gonna speak to you about about your life. If you choose to love the unlovable and put your stones down, your stones of judgment, I had to lay a lot of stones down in my life working with people. 
In fact, I, you know, when we got called to Cleveland, our church people know this, they've been with us a long time, an elder of ours, I questioned him, why would God send us to Cleveland 23 years ago? Pastor David Cooper, um, pastors Mount Perrin, very different of ours, known all over the world, author, great communicator, anyway. And I'm sitting in his back seat, he and his wife, Barbie, go figure, um, are in the front seat. And I said, why would God send us to Cleveland? Why, when we could go anywhere, we could go to Phoenix, we could go to LA, we could go to Hollywood, we could go to Tampa, we could go anywhere, why? And as I waited, I expected him to say, because you two are the most gifted individuals that ever walked the planet. And Cleveland is crying out. Oh, I didn't know I expected that until I got the answer I didn't expect. Come on, somebody. You don't know what you're expecting until the other answer comes from somebody over you. And you go, oh, no. Because you're so gifted and anointed. Because that town is full of religion. And they need some people that wear white pants. Pastor almost wear white pants this morning. We had an argument in our bedroom. The as is over him wearing those white pants this morning. And, uh, you know, people that will do that. And, and women who will preach and scream. And, and they need all that in Cleveland just to knock their religion out. And I waited. That's what I thought he was going to say. He took a deep breath. There's only one reason why God would send you to Cleveland. Speak. The talented anointed servant is listening. What is it? Heavens be silent. Here it comes. He said the only reason God would send you to Cleveland is because that's the best place he can kill you. He wants to kill you in Cleveland. And the only, raise, only way he can make you more like Christ, and he starts preaching to me. He's a great preacher, one of the best. The only way he can make you like Christ is to kill your flesh. The only reason God is sending you to Cleveland is to kill your flesh. Let me tell you people, the work is almost done. Give the Lord a hand. It's one of my favorite stories because you don't know what you think someone's going to say to you. I didn't know I was thinking all that till he said something I didn't want to hear. And uh, that's it. In Nantucket Island, there's a small museum uh, where a volunteer organization once existed. Listen to this. They would trap, the traveling the sea was very dangerous on the Atlantic coast at that time. And a group of volunteers went into this life-saving business. They banded together and formed what they called the Humane Society. They built little huts along the shore. They had people watching the sea all the time. Because if a ship went down, word would go out. They'd sound the alarm. And these people sleeping in huts, watching the shore, would devote everything to save the lives. No money, no recognition, but only because they valued the price of human life made in the creation of God, made in the image of God. You see, they remind, to remind themselves of what their motto was, this was their motto. To remind themselves of their vision, this was the thing they hung out. You have to go out, but you don't have to come back in. Now, that's not a real good hiring slogan, is it? You got to go out and save lives, but we don't have to see you come back in. Go your carcass down into the sea because you're going to go save someone. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, oh me. oh, me. Not a great recruiting slogan, but it is the slogan that Christ had. It is the slogan that we have. When you go there to that little museum, which I've not, I've only read about it online. Maybe someone, probably Chris Vernon has been there. You risk accounts of people who risked everything, even their lives to save people they didn't know. And over time, 
Things changed. The, um, what do you call the people that help save people? Work with me. Coast Guard. The Coast Guard took over and they started saving lives. And so no longer were they needed. It was said, let the paid professionals do it. But this group had so bonded over their ability to save lives that they still meet for dinner every week and discuss their victories. Would it be that the body of Christ could have the same motto? Could we, for lives we have never seen or don't know, have the motto, we've got to go out. We're in the life-saving business business. We can't be blinded by our self-preoccupation. People around us have little shipwrecks every day. A friend just got shoot out by their ballast. Come on. A child faces bullies at school. A wife has just fought with her husband over white pants this morning. A co-worker makes bad financial crisis decisions. A high school girl gets her heart broken by a boy or every man say vice versa, vice versa. But most of the time, these lifelines we have are our words and our ability to get someone into the presence of Jesus. We do that with our words. We do that with our encouragement. Mark 2, I want to read this. And I'm really through the majority of my message, but let's get to the, the meat of it. Everyone say, let's get to the meat of it. Mark 2, familiar passage. Um, and I'll begin reading in verse one. And again, Jesus entered Capernaum. That's great theologically, but we're not at a Bible school. If we were, I'd teach that right there because he was bad to the bone. He went right back in where he made him mad before. After some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Say, it was heard. It was heard. Jesus, Jesus was in the house, Tatum. It was heard. It was heard. Just like that, just like a Renew that came. She heard Jesus would be in the house last Saturday night. And it was heard Jesus in the house and immediately many gathered together so there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof. Many translations say they dug through the clay roof. They uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. Jesus saw their faith. Say, Jesus saw their faith. Look up. Now, this is the deal here. He didn't see the man's faith. He saw their faith. This is like you going up to an ATM, punching in your number and putting that you want $500 out of your account and the guy behind you gets the money. They saw, he saw their faith. He saw other people that had faith for a man who had carried an as-is tag for so long. A man who woke up, look up, we'll finish reading, who woke up every morning Dreaming, or, in, or let's say he woke up after dreaming. He's dreamed. He dreamed of running, Taylor. He dreamed of having children someday. He dreamed of having a job someday. He lived in a time when the Greeks said no deformed child should live. He dreamed of not having to lay on the side of the road as a beggar in his mat asking for coins. He dreamed that he could have a job just like people around you and I are dreaming right now of a better life, like you and I are dreaming, but he woke up to see the ceiling over him. Just like you and I are waking up sometimes in these seasons to see a ceiling over us. We never wanted to be over us, but God says his grace is sufficient. Say his grace is sufficient. In your weakness, he is made strong. This paralytic who would wake up every morning and realize he had to deal with the assumptions, the whisperings that he maybe had brought this on himself because that was the theory. Remember when Jesus was walking among and the disciples saw the man who was lame and said, who sinned? Who sinned? I mean, you got to love the disciples. At least they're asking the questions you and I are thinking. Who sinned? Was it his mama, his daddy, his great granddaddy? Was it his aunt Betty, his uncle Joe? 
who committed the great crime for this thing, for him to be having to go through this hard season. We always look to blame someone. We always look to put blame on somebody because of season. Let me tell you, bad things still happen to good people. This is an imperfect world where flaws happen. And you see, he had to deal with the accusation. His weakness was seen. His as-is tag was three foot wide and six foot long, and it was his mat. He couldn't hide it. You may be hiding your temper this morning. You may be hiding your tendency to gossip this morning. You may be hiding your, you know, Jesus was more scandalized by sins of the the spirit than of the flesh. He was scandalized by gossip, by murmuring, by causing trouble between brothers and sisters. You see, he was carrying six foot long, three foot wide as is tag and everyone could see it. Every day he woke up to it. Every day he had to endure the season. Your as-is tag might be a temper you can't control. Already, let me say some other hot words come out of your mouth. Your anger that's like molten lava that a volcano can't even stop. Fear, inability to trust, sense of failure, inability to let go. Someone came up to a preacher recently, a friend of mine, and said, this is my phone. Pray, pray for John, I need to break up with him. He's horrible. He doesn't serve the Lord. And just pray I can let him go. And the pastor said, hand me the phone. Picked up the phone. Boom, 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 boom. Deleted all existing contacts off of the guy. What are you doing? He said, you said you wanted that guy out of your life. Reminds me of the old Manhattan song that some of us used to sing. I came to meet you here today. Anybody remember that? Let's just kiss and say goodbye. You know, we want to kiss our enemy goodbye before we say goodbye. We want to kiss that person that's done nothing but brought hell into our life. Oh, I've had people say, I just need closure. I didn't have, you don't need no, I'm about ready to say something I shouldn't say. You don't need any closure with someone God wants out of your life. You don't need a come to Jesus meeting with them. I've had people in alternate lifestyle say, I remember a counselor, a spirit-filled counselor and I going round and round that I love, esteem highly today, still love her. She works in another church. But I was counseling someone no longer among us and she wanted her and her lesbian lover to be have a goodbye party. I said, absolutely not. She is not to speak her name. She is not to call her. She is not to have communication with her. She is dead to her. Well, that's not very merciful. It's merciful until you completely get out of what you're going through. If you've got to delete contacts, if you've got to consider the person dead, if you've got to say the person doesn't exist, if you've got to pretend, if you've got to erase and ask God to erase, do it. But don't ask to meet them, to kiss them and tell them goodbye. You just let closure happen. Come on, somebody. You say, well, I don't have any of those. Well, maybe you have the worst kind. You know, the gift of spiritual identification of everyone's mats in the room but your own. That's for some of us that have tendency to be religious, which is one of my mats I carried for many years until God allowed me to meet my own sin and my own mistakes and my own humiliation. You see, Jesus one day comes to town and these guys have an irrational commitment to get him in the presence of Jesus. Jesus saw their faith. Let's read a couple more and we'll come back and speak. Matt, if you come up and start helping, I'm not quite done, but it'll get us there. Some of this, when Jesus saw their faith, verse five, he said, the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven you. Verse six, some of the scribes are sitting there. Say the religious. They're reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit what they reasoned, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He only said that to show him he was the son of God. There were healers, but there's only one that can give sins. There's magicians. I was telling the girls, Moses threw down his rod. If you ever get involved with some true Satanist, they can move things. They can move chairs. They can make lights shake. I've encouraged the girls the other night not to watch anything about vampires or anything. Don't open yourself up to none of that junk. Once you see real power that things can be moved by someone that's sold out to the devil, those magicians of Pharaoh turned their rods into snakes too because they duplicated what was temporarily known as seen as something. But no one but Christ can forgive and heal and raise up and change your as is tag to as he can make you into that. Can you give him a hand clap of praise? Come on, somebody. So he's been in this season, look up. We want to avoid attack. This man, we'll come back and finish it. He's been in one of those seasons. He wanted that extraction, Christian. I'm sure you've wanted to be extracted from the ranch a few times, haven't you? In fact, if you had a dollar for every time, you could buy me something I might really want. How about you, Hope House girls? You want to be extracted. How about you, Pastor Con, Pastor Dave? How about you, Pastor Rhonda? Yeah. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. I have prayed that so many times. Just let it be a one-woman rapture. I don't want to go by way of cancer, disease. Just a one-woman rapture. Let everyone just wonder. Call me Enosia, the female verb, the female tense of the pastor's got that, of Enoch. Okay. We want to sing. We are the champions, my friend. But we don't want wartime pressure. This man had to learn in a season that the grace was sufficient till Jesus suddenly comes on the scene. This man had to learn that grace is enough, necessary. He's still alive. You know, it's funny, you read about these, um, these uh, airplane things, Chris, crashes, and no one ever wants to hear the three words, brace for impact. You don't ever want to hear that on a plane. And it's funny, everyone going on the plane, you watch them, you know, no one's looking at anyone, hey, hey, especially early morning. If you could have a video of Chris Vernon early morning on Mondays when he flies, he's, he's, I'm sure he's not looking at anybody. Everyone's just getting on the plane, sitting down. But you go through one of those almost plane crashes with people, listen up, listen up. There's a word up for you. You go through one of those and everyone's, no atheists are on the plane, trust me. Everyone's calling out, there's no Buddha, Hare Krishna, um, my mother's ashes. Oh no, people are screaming, Jesus, God, help us, Jesus. And if you've ever been in one of those situations, they see you can pray, people are like, point your hand this way toward me, hold my hand. I mean, people immediately, because you're going through something, you're bracing for impact. You're going through a season that's tight. You're going through a season when you're wondering, how is this going to work? And you get down there and you ever watch one of them where they land, where the birds got up in there, they got the bird attack, the strike, bird strike. Are you watching one of these and the thing comes down, Pastor Chris, and people can float down. You see people, come here, Tiffany, come here, take them. You see people just hugging people they don't know. Oh, I love you. I can't believe we were on this together. Oh, I love you. Oh, I, just, I don't know who you are, but oh my God, we survived. You see, 
You go through something with people, that's the fellowship of the mat. You love people you used to not even like. You go through things. Oh, we want to go through love and peace and joy with each other and happy tulips and let's just go eat and have more money than we know what to do. You know what? That doesn't test your commitment in relationships. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. You got a friend and that's all they know about you. Your relationship has never been tested. Until it's tested, you never know that God gave you the grace that's necessary. Say, I have today the grace necessary to get through this season. Oh, it doesn't always feel like it. 1 John 4 and 8 says, perfect love casts out fear because fear has what? Torment. Everyone say torment. The enemy learns to know what torments you. Don't be saying if this happens, you got to put me under. Don't say that. Don't say if this happens, I'm going to give up. You're just telling the devil what to aim the torment towards you. You see, torment, the enemy comes not just to take you out. He doesn't care about taking you out. He wants to torment you in the present season of your life that you are ineffective and unproductive. He just wants you to waste your life. So he does it with torment. But my Bible says that his grace is enough that even in the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. You see, fear is good. This paralytic had fear in his season, I'm sure. Fear is good. Fear of electricity keeps you from, as my dad would tell me every time I got in the bathtub, don't ever reach up and touch that hair dryer. I'm telling you, if I stayed with my daddy at 51 right now, he'd come and lecture me over the hair dryer in the bath. I never wanted to put a hair dryer in the bathtub. That was not in my dreams, you know, but he always tells me that. Don't ever reach up and touch the radio because we'd always, as teenagers, we'd put radios so we could sing the 70s. Don't ever get, if you get out of the tub to turn that dial or you stand up, it'll be the last time you ever turn a dial. Your hair will go up and smoke and your carcass will be burned. We'll have to bury you. Come on. Anybody yet had a parent that ever said that? Say fear can be good. Fear of the right things. Fear of the highway. Fear of standing on this roof and jumping off in Jesus name when he didn't tell you to do that. Come on. But you've got to run fear. Say I have to run fear. Come on. Say I've got to run fear back to its corner. You see when grace is in your life Fear will try to torment you. Fear will try to step over its boundary. Fear will always be there. But when grace is there, you've got to say, you know what, fear? Get back behind the line. Get back behind the line. Come on. In times of a season when you're waiting to be extracted and the grace is sufficient, you've got to do the opposite of what the enemy is telling you. If you get nothing else today, in seasons when the enemy is tormenting you, do the opposite of what he's telling you. If you just shut your mouth, if I just shut my mouth and do the opposite. I, well, I don't feel like doing the opposite. Well, who does? Do the opposite of what he's telling you to do. Run the opposite way. If he's saying drink a beer, go drink a Coke. If he's saying get hooked on cigarettes, go and buy something for someone that has nothing. If he's saying go back to your old life, stand in your house, your apartment, wherever you live and say, I won't go back to that. I don't care if I stand here with nothing but God. Rest assured, I'll never, 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 never go back. When you do, you push fear. I can't do it for you. I can't do it for you. Your mama can't do it for you. Your daddy can't do it for you. 
You see, the Bible says we will have fiery darts. Look at your neighbor and say, this is not peacetime. Come on, say, this is not peacetime. It says we quench all the fiery darts, people. That means there are fiery darts. That means there are things that will try to wreck your faith. There are things that will try to tell you you can't get through. If your faith, if my faith, Matt Decker, only works on a good day, it is not faith. If grace can only be seen, you see, if you're dressed appropriately, you can enjoy any season. We're headed into winter. You can wear hats, people. You can wear gloves. You can wear boots. You can wear a big coat and enjoy it. You can play in the snow and put on big old snowshoes. I walked three miles in the snow when we had that big thing about two years ago, trying to go see a couple of Hope House girls at Cook's. I had a blast. I looked like an idiot. Bags on my head, bags on my hands, because I didn't have, but I went down there just to see somebody outside of the people who were trapped in the house with me. Come on. I was dressed appropriately and I had a blast. Any season in your life, if you're dressed appropriately with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether in famine, whether in feast, whether in cold, whether in hot, whether in multiple uh, dollars in your hand or 50 cents. Some of the happiest people I heard Bishop Jake say are poor folks. He said, because poor folks know how to have fun. You see, because they've learned to clothe themselves in the season. But here it comes. Jesus sees the man. Jesus is teaching and he hears a strange noise. The season, say the season, say the season is coming to an end. But until it does, the grace is sufficient for you. And here's this man. He doesn't know. He's teaching Chris Vernon and the man who built the house. He didn't know the day he built the house that someday four men would crash through the roof. But when Jesus, when God had the man build the house, he knew the roof was gonna be crashed because God had already made provision. God has already made provision right now for a suddenly turnaround in your life. Before you were even born, God made provision. And when those men started clawing through the, the roof, everyone's looking up. You can imagine the man that built the house thinks, oh my goodness. Can I call State Farm and say, Jesus is here. It's an act of God. Come on, somebody. You see, there he is. Four sweaty faces, anxious, hopeful hearts. Four people who said, we got to get this man in, into the presence of Jesus. Jesus sees an island of shalom in a sea of brokenness. And every time you and I extend to someone's as is tag, love, acceptance, and forgiveness. God sees an island of shalom in a sea of brokenness. Every time, I wish I had a bunch of rocks in my pocket. I wish I could put them out. Can you all hear me loud enough? Can you hear me? Okay. I wish I had a bunch of rocks in my pocket that I could just empty this morning because every time I empty my pocket, I'm becoming a fellowship of the mad. What's amazing about this man is Jesus not only healed him, but he had to, um, I wrote it down. I want to make sure I it right. M muscles at atrophy. I'm sure that's the right word. Anyway, he not healed him. He had to strengthen his muscles immediately. Because even if you've watched um, a person get healed, their muscles are still weak. The man jumped up. He's there. When he got up that morning, he didn't know what suddenly was happening. It just, the word got out like we sang this morning. Jesus is here. 
Jesus is here. We need to get the word out to people who need it. Jesus is here in my life. Jesus has healed me. Jesus has raised me up. Jesus is in our services. Jesus is here. You see, this man jumps off of his three foot wide, six foot long, as is Matt, and rolls it up in the presence of Jesus. I'm sure it was awkward. I'm sure it was uncomfortable. But at the end of his life, listen, when he's 80 and his friends are walking on canes, when he's 80 and his other four friends are getting weak, when Jesus healed him, he gave him a warranty. Let me tell you, when Jesus healed my marriage, he gave me a warranty. Let it be shut, never to be reopened again. Does it mean it hasn't been tested? When Jesus saved you, he gave you a warranty, eternally secure as long as you lean into him. When Jesus healed your marriage, when Jesus freed you from addiction, he gives you a warranty. So when other people in their 80s are walking on canes, that man had to look at them, his legs still strong. He had to look at them and say, you know what? Thank you for crashing that roof. I know my mat was awkward. I know it was big. I know it was embarrassing. But when two or three were gathered in Jesus' name, they brought healing. I love the old song. Let me finish by talking about suddenly in your life. I love the old song that says, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty, so mighty. And I saw him high and lifted up with power and grace and authority. And it goes on to say, and he shall reign in the midst of thee forever and ever. Amen. Let me tell you something. The Lord, his God was lifted up in the midst of him. And the Lord is lifted up in the midst of you today, wherever two or three are gathered. They lowered that man. There's so many other ways to preach this. I've preached it, but I want to get to what I really feel like God wanted to say in the ending. Say his grace is sufficient for my season. You see, he had waited for an instruction, Christian. He got up that morning, just like Simeon and Anna, on the morning they'd been looking for Messiahs for years, not knowing when Simon put on his sandals that morning. Anna, not knowing when she put on her headpiece that morning, headed to the temple, that that day, a young woman would bring the glory of Israel into the temple. You see, no one warns you woo, on the morning of your suddenly. No one warns you on the moment that God turns the season around. His grace has kept you. His grace has kept you strong. No one says, but in Luke 18, and shall God not avenge his own who cry out day and night, though he bears, everyone say he bears along with them, he will avenge them suddenly. Look at your neighbor and say suddenly. Come on, look at your neighbor and say suddenly. Suddenly, suddenly. Habakkuk 2 and 3 says, though the vision tarries, wait for it. It will not tarry. Listen to me. The reason that's so important, because God bears along with you to avenge you 
speedily. The dramatic nature of God is that everything changes swiftly after a long time of God working on your situation that you could not see. A suddenly means God has bared a long time or bore a long time with you. God has put, He had that house built. He had the roof put. The boys were born at the same time the friend was born, same maybe decade. There was things in motion. Say in motion. Say in motion. Say grace. Say grace is in motion. It's in motion. You just can't see it. Speedily is on its way. You've come to the wrong conclusion. If you think you've been praying for something a long time and it hasn't changed. The paralytic could have just been praying that one leg would work. The paralytic could have been just praying for provision. But God said, no, I kept you in a season. So the season could bring about something in you that you would start contending for more than you were initially asking for. The season brings you to ask for things you never thought possible. The season comes. Your weakness becomes strong because all of a sudden you become like your ancestry.com, your mothers and fathers of faith. You begin to believe you can shut the mouth of lion because he kept you warm on a very cold night. Can I get an Amen. You begin to believe that you can conquer kingdoms because you walked through a season you prayed to be extracted from. But he kept saying, no, in this season, in this journey, your weakness is becoming strong. So you can turn armies, armies of addiction away, armies of depression away, armies of fear away from others. Your weakness that you thought would take you out in this season as you've let my grace, but you can't do it yourself. You can't say, I'll make it through this season. You can't flip God off and say, what in the world have you done? You've got to lean into him. Oh, it's easy for you to say, Miss 51-year-old black jacket on with the flower on your lapel. Oh no, it is not easy. I've gotten on my own face in many seasons of my life and knelt at the feet of Jesus when there was nothing else to do and say, clothe me. I can't see your grace. And there's a multitude of things I wanna say right now, but somehow I know in this season, you are teaching me something. Somehow you're turning my weakness. Oh, if I got mad, yeah. Slammed a few doors, never kicked a dog, but slammed a few doors, gotten angry, taking long drives. I don't, I don't mean to present that this is easy but I ask God to help me muzzle my mouth and to stop saying I can't and to say that I can. That somewhere in this moment and this day is the grace that is more than enough to get through, to meet any need at work, to meet any financial situation. Somewhere is the grace. If I don't feel it or see it, I'm not tapping into it. And I gotta get desperate. I can't expect my mama, my daddy, my preacher or the Pope or the president or my elders. Oh, they can all Pray for me. There comes a moment. You got to stand up in your own room. You got to stand up where you are and say somewhere here, there is grace to get me through. And I'm going to depend on God and God alone. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise and I'm done. Listen, and suddenly and speedily, Abraham, after 20 Five chapters of nothing 
gives birth to the promise called Isaac. And suddenly, after Genesis and Malachi, the promise has been told of the Messiah. And everyone kept looking for the speedily and everyone just tried to make it through the season of being pregnant with prophecy, but nothing produced as a fulfillment of it. All the Old Testament saints, Decker, stood waiting. And suddenly in the book of Luke, the angels of the Lord came suddenly and began to sing glory to God in the highest, peace and goodwill toward man. For this day in the city of David, a savior has been born and his name is Christ. No shepherd got up that morning knowing that was the day of their suddenly. Nobody got up that morning. Abraham didn't get up that morning knowing that was the day Sarah would conceive. You see, suddenly they were in the upper room after praying for 120 days. Jesus is gone. They're trying to make it on their own. And suddenly, after they had been praying through the season of not having him, feeling defeated, feeling lost, and suddenly he sent from heaven the blessed Holy Spirit and suddenly tongues like fire appeared upon them and they began to shake with the power of the Holy Ghost. Not one of them woke up that morning and knew that the suddenly was coming and suddenly after singing all night in the prison, God is good. We bless you even in this prison. We worship you and praise your holy name even in these shackles, even in these chains. We were doing right. We were preaching your word, but this has happened to us. And suddenly the ground began to quake and Paul and Silas and everyone in the jail were set free. And suddenly they were free. Does anybody got to pray? for a God who can give you grace in the season and then suddenly and then suddenly after the earth has waited after the saints in paradise have waited after we which are alive and remain have waited after we have worked through season of his grace being sufficient things we didn't understand and suddenly there'll be a voice from heaven of the trumpet like the sound of the archangel and he will say come the time has come and we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with him in the air and we shall live through all eternity and suddenly we will know the true meaning of redemption and everything we have worked for. Somebody stand on your feet and give Christ a shout of praise in this house. Come on somebody. Put your hands together. Give the Lord a shout with a voice. Come on, come on, put your hands together. Put your hands together. Come on, clap your hands, all ye people. Give him a praise for a suddenly that's coming your way. Hallelujah. Listen, we need grace in this season. We need encouragement for suddenly. Let's all come quickly, just for a moment, just to respond to the word. Everyone come and stand in the altars if you would. Would you just come and 